It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to another episode of the Nick Cage Fight Podcast, where we review a number of Nick Cage movies, and every once in a while, we're gifted with a strange coming-of-age tale where a boy is also a robot and also uh, commentary on uh, the dysfunctionality of uh, raising kids and stuff, or something. I'm not sure if that is actually the message of this film, but we're going to continue to explore it. I'm one of your hosts, Josh, joined as always by Rich and Ryan. How are we feeling about closing out Astro Boy? I'm feeling like I have 100,000 horsepower in my feet, which is not mentioned in the movie, but that is 100% one of Astro Boy's powers. There you go. How Ah. about you, Rich? I'm just going to read my first note, which is uh, Eugene Levy is criminally underrated, just in, in general. Absolutely true. Watch some SCTV. He's really good in that. It's Watch anything he's in. It, SCTV. It's my favorite sketch comedy show. Really? Yeah. That is a glowing endorsement. It's got some seriously funny shit in it. It's better than it. Is it? Wait, okay. Wait. No. It's, it's not, better it's than not West. Better than, did you know? It's not better than Kids in the Hall. That would be I was my second. Ask where one. In Living Color fell on it, that hierarchy. Uh, slightly lower than SCTV, but higher than like, definitely higher than Mad TV and uh, Saturday Night Live. I mean, those are the bottom of the bin. Yeah, those are the bottom of the bin. (laughs) Yes, Mad Mad Magazine is or Mad uh, fucking Mad TV is a broken clock that is right like two times every ten years. Yeah, they had. I'm sorry, some of my favorite shit from uh Mad TV folks. Or is stuff that they've done outside of it. I'm sorry, Will Sasso's impression of Jesse Ventura is yes, very to good. this day <laughs> one of the best bits of Im- Im- impression comedy I've ever seen or heard. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, just look up some YouTube videos. <laughs> he does a good job. Oh, uh, wait a minute. He, he was in a movie I just watched, and uh, it, he was very funny in it, but it kind of didn't age well. It was a um, he 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 played a mentally handicapped person. Oh, god, what the fuck was that movie called? I gotta figure it out real quick. That's okay. drop dead gorgeous. What was that? Haven't drop dead it. gorgeous. Um, um, it plays, dude, I swear to god, it plays like a Christopher Guest movie. It's about a teenage beauty pageant, and it's like it's it's a mockumentary. It's oh, a, so it's just Frank's little darling's motion picture. Yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's but it's that. But um, 
there's somebody slowly killing all of the beauty pageant people, but it's not like a big beauty pageant. It's for a small town in Minnesota. So the stakes oh, are that super low. Awesome. I kind of got to check this out. Yeah, it's so alley. It's so good. It's Kirsten Dunst, Brittany it's, Murphy. It's like a mockumentary or is it more of a narrative? No, no, no. It is a mockumentary. The guy shooting okay. it, like the guy playing, the guy shooting it is actually Thomas Lennon. Oh, cool. I have to check this out. Writer I love for documentaries. Uh, National Treasure. Or no, realized, Night at the Museum. Night at the Museum was Tom Lennon. I, I realized I, I left almost criminally out of uh, housekeeping Alan Tudyk's filmography. He was in Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh, which... I love that movie. <laughs> I can't believe I failed to mention that. If you haven't seen it, comedy horrors are right up my alley, and that is a fantastic one. I do like so, a comedy horror. Ah, I have so many recommendations for you right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so do I. We could just do a whole podcast about that. <laughs> we should. Maybe for Patreon content. Uh, where we left off, Toby Bot, for lack of a better uh, name, at this point in the film is brought to life with the blue energy core and recognizes his dad immediately. Dr. Tenma for his part takes him home for quality time for quote quality time bonding, all the good things. The next morning, the, the driver bot or well, first of all, Toby bot wakes up to Dr. Tenma, like watching him sleep, uh, which startles him briefly. Uh, and then driver bot Orin almost blows the cover that Tenma is trying uh, to sort of inflict on Toby, which is not telling him the truth of what happened and make him think he's still a regular kid. In an effort to uh, keep up this ruse, Tenma tells Toby that he won't be going to school any longer. Tenma will be teaching Toby, Toby at home from now on, and his only job from here on out is being a dad. Tenma starts Toby Bot off with four-dimensional calculus, which uh, Toby Bot solves easily and does his own twist and adds uh, some weird programming language to have a dancing robot cowboy guy. Yeah, uh, which, which like I I always love math in movies because it's always like just one character like drawing like mathematical lines and another character going yes you good. forgot about oh, Gordon that's- Wood. Like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's so good. That's Sorry, not how I, I would have done it. Sorry, I had to. I had to go with the uh, the Goodwill Hunting reference there because <laughs> it's it's easy. It's low hanging fruit, and in my defense, low hanging fruit is the easiest to get to. Well, yeah, um, I I just think of the it's always sunny Goodwill Hunting episode with yeah. Charlie when Charlie thinks that he is a genius because wood. he's a janitor. Well, that's a that's a uh, flowers for Algernon episode, or yeah. is that a different episode? It's like you're you're not a genius janitor; you're just a janitor. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, do you like apples? Uh, how about them apples? <laughs> um, I think he starts making up names of people that he should read. he might have i just remember him explicitly calling out the gordon wood line from (laughs) the movie and just latching onto that but anyway so dr tenma is not thrilled with the uh sort of levity the cowboy dude brings to 4d calculus 
And so he switches to giving Toby Bot uh, a bit of classical academic literature, uh, including uh, Kant and uh, uh, Da Vinci's models and so on and so forth to read. Toby starts going through these and he gets preoccupied with Da Vinci's models and builds a number of flying machines uh, out of the pages of these classical books. He's playing with Oren at this point, and he even slaps his uh, his former self's ball cap onto Oren's head. Tenma comes in and is disappointed uh, to see that this individual study time uh, has been turned into sort of playtime and then freaks out on Oren for having Toby's hat on his head. Tenma sends Toby to his room. And at this point in my notes, I, I have written literally, man, this dude has like just a bunch of issues. I'm not even sure how to start unpacking them. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. Fantastically enough, in the very next scene, Tenma is kind enough to unpack some of them for us uh, to Elephon via hologram phone call. He's annoyed that the robot isn't a, a, a perfect facsimile of Toby and thinks he made a mistake because this is just reminding him that Toby is gone. Genius guy can't understand normal human emotions. <laughs> Ridiculous. So in the original Astro Boy stories, uh, the way this pans out is that Tenma realizes that Astro cannot appreciate human aesthetics. So he shows him some like mechanical drawings and Astro's all, oh, that's beautiful, man. And he shows him a flower and he's like fucking stone faced staring at it like, I don't get this. So he sells him to a circus. See, that's weirder to me because that's not even human aesthetics. It's natural aesthetics. Natural aesthetics, yeah. Because, you know, uh, blueprints and shit, that's all made by humans. Yeah, it's a little weird. I honestly think it makes a lot of sense to a certain extent. It's just Tenma gets it wrong, right? So humans, not saying that this is my personal belief, but potentially a creation of a higher power appreciates other creations of this potential higher power dive a level lower robots created by humans appreciate creations by humans don't have any emotional resonance with the layer of creation above that kind of makes sense to me yeah yeah yeah, yeah i get it yeah I'm, I'm not trying to derive any specific insight to the original creators meaning here it's just the layers of removal i always found that to be a fascinating concept in sci-fi specifically it's been done to death uh to a certain extent even your esteemed host here has done some uh fiction writing in the past that has dealt with that but yeah to, to me, the progression does make some sort of logical sense, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Tenma is not psyched about his weird coping mechanism for his culpability in his actual son's death. Uh, meanwhile, Toby is in his room and realizes he can understand the uh, window washing robots outside of his room. The robots are shocked as well because humans aren't supposed to understand robot gibberish, apparently, 
which I thought was an interesting concept that they literally never address again. It is never brought up again. In fact, it's explicitly contradicted. Yeah, Yeah. explicitly. (laughs) Uh, I did think this was funny, just sort of in general. They didn't need to throw in that humans couldn't understand robots. It doesn't play into any other part of the movie. So uh, call it a minor whiff. But Toby Bot confronts the window washing robots and grabs one to question him. Uh, but in the process is pulled out of his window far enough that he falls. And this is essentially a skyscraper that he's living in. And so he it's falls to what house? What was that? Yeah, it's a Jetson's house. Correct. And uh, so Toby Bot is falling to what he believes to be his death. And then his uh, defense mechanisms, primarily his robot rocket feet, automatically activate and save him. Um, which causes uh, him minor shock, followed by elation, followed by minor disaster as he is unable to control this and zooms about the city. Also, during this scene, this is before they even started bringing this stuff up. I actually wrote in my notes, does the spray bottle break the first rule of robotics here? By backing up enough to... By spraying him to allow him to fall to assumedly his death. No, because he is not a human. He is the correct, yeah. Okay. Even if it's assumed human, like they just know even... Okay, I got you. Yeah, it's prime I mean, directive. the rules of, rules of robotics are bullshit anyway. They're just something that uh, Isaac Asimov made up that has no bearing on actual robotic laws. Real robotic laws is just some physics shit. But also kind of phenomenal in the impact that's had on the overall uh, sci-fi genre in general without the idea of the laws of robotics we wouldn't have a number of different properties which they're more like the axioms of robotics it is i mean of course it is but also i mean you don't have uh the two sides of the coin the two sides of the coin being uh, the two genders yeah (laughs) uh (laughs) which is the uh permanently submissive questioning the morality of a slave class but uh, they don't got no souls, so you're allowed to film them type of robotics. Also, with the prime directive being sometimes you got to kill a bunch of humans to save a bunch of humans type of morality that we see in shit like iRobot and whatnot. Or the first two parts of the Animatrix. Correct. So still shout out to, to, to Asimov, rip to a real one, some real solid <laughs> fictional storytelling there. Um, but in this case, uh, Rich, no, he's a robot. So robots can kill robots. This is an established fact in this universe. Um, so is, well, I mean, hell. what was that show called on Comedy Central with the robots fighting each other? Was it Robot Wars? It was BattleBots. Battle BattleBots. Yeah. And I don't think, was it on Comedy Central? It I thought was it was on, on Comedy Central. Central. Yeah. It was on Comedy Central in the late 90s. Oh, there you go. I think it was redone BattleBots by is Spike. still fucking going, boys. Yeah, it's I don't know what it's on anymore, but I know it exists. Yeah, I'll tune back in when they have full-size Gundams. And <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely suits. tune in. A Gundam is a type of mobile suit. Correct. <laughs> also, they're not autonomous, so they technically wouldn't count. You have yeah. to have a dude inside of a mobile suit. Well, I think that raises the fucking stakes. I'd watch the, the shit out of that. <laughs> I mean, then it's just uh, Stuart Gordon's robot jocks. <laughs> 
there you go. Turn turn battle bots into a blood sport. Then I'll tune in. Or like what was um, that shitty Hugh Jackman movie where like he would control real steel? Over... Yes. Real steel, yeah. Where he would control the robot by fighting. I'm sorry. That, oh, that was my... no, you're thinking of G Gundam. <laughs> no, I'm thinking <laughs> of real steel. Real steel was that 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 call out was my knee-jerk reaction to practicing to be on Jeopardy where you didn't finish your question. <laughs> it was just like buzzing, real steel. <laughs> I'm sorry. What is real steel? Um <laughs> But you know what else is real? Uh, these ads. So listen up. Maybe it's an ad for a fighting robot that you could purchase yourself. Lap them up, you pig sluts. <laughs> it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Boy, that was an intro to a fucking ad read. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> I didn't I'm mean sure it. You're not advertisers don't listen to the show. <laughs> if there's still advertising with us, yeah, they definitely don't. You think DraftKings um, care? They don't care. They don't, yeah, they don't give a or, shit. It's not, it's not even DraftKings. Probably like Chamba Casino. Um. So, uh, yeah. So Toby Bot is getting the hang of flying around on rocket feet. Uh, and he spends some time just sort of dashing back and forth uh, and even tunnels under and then out of the top of the mountain. There's uh, some pretty Metro good City. like visual sight gags in this, too. Like the person saying like, oh, my steak is undercooked and he zooms by and cooks it with his super rocket feet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, there's, there's this, is a... where I, this is where I noticed, too, no, that the ahead. soundtrack to this is actually pretty good. Yeah, the score was solid. I, I got to agree. Uh, yeah, it added a decent amount of gravitas. I'm just happy there was a kids movie that just wasn't pop songs every 45 seconds. There isn't a single one in this, and it rules. Yeah, Thank it's God. great. Oh wait, no, there's one pop song. There's a uh, "We Were Young" by Supergrass. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so Toby Bot. Uh, realizes at least some of his strengths at this point and races back home to show his dad. Meanwhile, uh, we cut to President Stone, who is complaining about his ratings, and the military has taken note of Toby's Blue Corps energy signal and sets about to track it down. Uh, when Toby gets back home, we have another one of these moments where it's like, this is too deep and dark for a kid's movie, but they didn't cut it out. Toby arrives home, or Toby Bot arrives home to see Tenma uh, talking to Dr. Elephant, and he's telling Elephant 
to deactivate Toby Bot and take him away. Yeah, my my note for this was just Nick Cage hates his Mega Man son and wants him dead. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. This um, man is no Doctor Light. <laughs> yeah, it 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 is it is something else. And Toby Bot actually interrupts this conversation, and Tenma tells Robo Toby what's going on in the most tone deaf, awful way you could possibly imagine. I'm not going to pull specific quotes. If you want to see the worst way to basically tell an adopted child that they are no longer wanted and too much of a reminder of their the 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 pain of the parents uh, to continue caring for them, watch this fucking scene, if nothing else. It's horrific. This is one of those uh, take notes and do the opposite. Uh, if you ever find yourself in a situation like this, it's rough. Uh, Dr. Elephant, to his credit, tries to uh, Dr. Elephant, to his credit, tries to lighten the blow uh, unsuccessfully. And Toby just jets off into the night. The military does find Toby while he's coming to terms with everything and pursues him uh, when Toby Bot tries to flee. Eventually, the ships manage to snag and snare Toby with their weird green gel tow cables but his core is powerful enough that he is able to pull all of the ships anchoring him into the gap of a building where they get stuck and he breaks free. Also, what do these all look like? You know, those things you would buy when you were a kid that was like the, it it was like a big hand that you would stick against a wall and throw it at it, like throw it at a wall or whatever. Yeah. I'm talking about. The, the rubber sticky hands that you get is like uh, they're, hands. they're they're like uh, gotcha American gotcha pawns, like the little vending machine boys. Yes, little capsule machines. Just wait when we eventually pull uh, Left Behind series in our Patreon episodes. Start following all the weird evangelical documentaries that I'm just uh, salivating to make you guys watch. Uh, sticky hands will come up in at least one of those documentaries. Oh, I know exactly oh, what yeah. you're talking about. And yeah, yeah, they do. Jesus camp, baby. Jesus camp, baby. <laughs> I do not know what you're talking about, but I can't wait. You will. I can, I can see it in my mind's eye in the place beyond knowing. I I watch those all the time, and my fiance fiance is like, "Why do you keep doing this? You've seen this a hundred <laughs> times." And I tell her. All the time, I just quote uh, the first season of True Detective. Uh, I, I tell myself my my uh, duty is to bear witness. <laughs> well, you're actually quoting an unattributed quote of uh, Thomas Ligotti in his philosophy not, uh, book, uh, The Conspiracy Against the Human Race. There you go. <laughs> yeah. A lot of unattributed Ligotti in that first season of True Detective, and I oh, don't know so if that good. man ever got paid. It was so good. It was uh-huh. so good. So, yeah, so... Toby pulls these uh, uh, multiple ships into the gap of a futuristic series of skyscrapers and breaks free. Uh, and then one of the military goons like falls out of the cracked canopy uh, of his ship and starts to plummet to his death. And Toby, of course, being super good and awesome, saves uh, this guy before uh, he hits the ground. Uh, the president at this point orders the spirit of freedom to be released. And I got to say right here, uh, the nomenclature for the super battle bot uh, ship being called the spirit of freedom is spot on. 
It's really I, good. I I was expecting them to be like called Liberty Prime. It's 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 exactly that kind of semi self awareness. It's the kind of cultural critique that most people are not going to key in on, them. and uh, I think it was incredibly well executed. This was the throw a joke, throwaway joke that uh, felt like it was written for me specifically. It was a very good joke because as soon as he said the name, I'm like, this is going to be a big killer robot. Yeah, exactly. So a, a gigantic attack ship appears and fires on Toby. Um, after blasting Toby with all of its uh, weapon reserves, Toby is knocked over the edge of the city and falls to the surface of planet Earth. He wakes up on uh, one of the massive piles in uh, the landfill that Earth around Metro City has become uh, with dead or dying robots. The implications of all of this is kind of horrifying, but it's a kid's movie. So, of course, Toby Vought quickly uh, finds a robot dog named Trashcan, which is awesome. Uh, who lures him into a trap set by surface humans who are scavenging half-alive robots to bring back to uh, what we ultimately learn is a robot repairman of some sort. So two two things about this scene. The first thing was, did anybody else think that the first robot he saw was like, is that Earthworm Jim? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the creator of Earthworm Jim end up being a huge asshole or some he shit. He did. He okay. did, and I'm not letting it ruin Earthworm Jim for me. That's Ivan, fair. Even school... between, even between that and Tommy Tellerico, I just yeah. and John Crickfalusi, whole bunch of assholes in my childhood. I just, I, I can't. I'm, I'm tired of letting people being assholes ruin elements of nostalgia for me i have an i i have an old school tin lunchbox of earthworm jim and i use it occasionally my only genuflection to cancel culture is when people mention it's like oh earthworm jim that's awesome i was like yeah but the creator's an asshole that's you know, it you gotta mention it you can still enjoy the thing correct earthworm jim is cool the creator not so cool you can say that stuff that is also what I say to everybody who's in my car when brand new comes up on one of my playlists. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when someone looks at my DVD collection and, and notices Rosemary's Baby and Chinatown are still there, even though Roman Polanski. Yeah. Did you hear they're doing a uh, a, a prequel, apparently, to Rosemary's Baby? No, nah, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> well, no, yeah, of course, see, because like it just a... ruins the concept of Rosemary's yeah. Baby if weird creepy shit happened before the events of that film yeah i i just wish that like today's media uh stop like using existing ips just make up a story make up your own story rich 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 you're forgetting there's no money no guaranteed money in treading new ground retreading old ground though for a generation of people who have no significant buy-in to the american dream all they have is nostalgia that is a guaranteed paycheck. Yeah, but didn't Every Fantastic Beasts like teach us anything? What was that? Didn't Fantastic Beasts teach us anything? Yeah, it taught us that some people like their gray slop. Some other people don't like that specific gray slop. Yeah, but there's gray slop for everybody out there. And that was the worst thing that we informed the establishment of. Eat it up, piggies. Yum, yep. yum, yum. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. If you didn't know the game was up when KFC put out a sandwich where the bread was <laughs> fried chicken, uh, you have not been paying fucking attention. Hey, don't diss the double down. I love the double down. The double down was the start of the end. <laughs> I've made my own double downs at home. Sure, but it was the start of the end. When that succeeded, everybody was like, oh, fuck these people. <laughs> <laughs> So what I'm hearing is that the peak of civilization was a day before KFC introduced the double. No, down. no, it was the first two hours after they released the double down. It's been downhill from that. It's okay. been double downhill from that. Double, double downhill from that. Uh, put it on the board. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> so trash can lures Toby Bot into a trap from the scrappers, but his robot form is uh, deceptive enough that the kids think he is a real boy. I like the uh, uh, sort of illusions or cribbing from the Pinocchio bit kind of in reverse, a fake boy mistaken for a real boy um, bit here. I don't know if any of that was necessarily intentional. I just like the juxtaposition with some classic fairy tale shit personally the kids introduce themselves and then shortly thereafter toby is snatched up by members of the rrf otherwise known as the robot revolutionary front this is we mentioned uh (laughs) some of the uh, uh communist leanings of the source material and i poked some fun at ryan asking what do you really think they're going to do with these uh communist undertones in this story for a film adapted for an American audience. And this is our answer to that. The uh, American take on communist undertones in a story is communists are a bunch of ineffectual idiots. That and also not a bunch. It's three. It's three of them, yes. It's three of them. <laughs> and they are comic relief throughout the course of this film. No, so... and, and if it was an actual critique on American communism there would be 27 groups all with four people that were also fighting with themselves. Correct. Thank you, Rich, for describing the state, current state of American leftism in general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there there would be the Robot Revolution Front, the Robot Liberation Front, the circuit, yeah, the, the circuit the board life anarchy. Of Brian. Yes, it's Correct. The People's Front of Judea, Judea's People Front. It's, it's... <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> however, uh, they 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 did have Trotskyist propaganda in the background, which I found interesting. Sick. So this point is hammered home in kind of a ham-fisted way. When the robots explain they want to free all robots, uh, they're disappointed to learn that Robo Toby. Uh, doesn't want to hurt anyone as they're trying to find a way to bypass the laws of robotics. And they reveal that their current target is apparently a seemingly innocuous robot repairman on the surface named Hamag. Due to the laws of robotics, their plan extends only to tickling him with a feather. And uh, they have taken steps to purchase this feather. <laughs> So in in real world terms, uh, they're probably buying that feather from the FBI who is going to arrest them as soon as they conclude that purchase. Cora 
is the leader of this band of scrappers, at least to a certain extent, as we see them at this point in the film. And they bust into uh, the RRF and save Toby. Toby gets out with his real boy cover intact by whispering to one of the members of the robot revolutionary front that he is a deep cover robot infiltrating the human element on the surface. He does take the name that the uh, RRF gave him and introduces himself as Astro. Back in Metro City, Dr. Elephant is getting arrested for his part in the creation of Astro Boy. Uh, Tenma apologizes to the president for creating Astro Boy and ensures the president when they find the robot and deactivate it, he'll retrieve the core and turn it over to the president. Elephant gets unarrested at this point because... Uh, all of this is a uh, just a, a satirical take on a fascist, militarized government, and we don't want to get too, too deep uh, in a kid's film. The Scrapper Kids uh, take Astro to Ham Eggs. This is the robot repair shop guy. Uh, it's filled with a bunch of what I can only describe as feral gremlin children. Uh, <laughs> Grace being the funniest one. Uh, Cora hands over a chainsaw that she found in their scavenging attempts and Grace runs off after activating the chainsaw. Uh, it's pretty funny. So um, here's another uh, name change. So Hameg is actually the original Japanese name, which I was surprised to find. Uh, his um, original American dub name was Kachitori, like, you know, the chicken ditch. They oh. changed uh, a name consisting of two American named foodstuffs. To, to Kachitori, yeah. That's bizarre. It is. It is weird. Love English dubbers in the 1960s. Yeah, what are you going to do? Be baffled by it, obviously. Clearly. So, Hameg was also apparently in Metro City at one point. He exclaims that he was kicked out because he loved robots and Metro City doesn't care about robots. When he was talking about that, I thought he meant it in a very different way. That would have. <laughs> justified in exiling yeah <laughs> it's the uh it's the robot chicken bit it's like we have a brand new robot to introduce and a hand goes up in the crowd and he's like yes he's like can you fuck it he's like i'm sorry what <laughs> can you fuck it um <laughs> yeah hammock explains that he repairs robots because he loves them and that's why he fixes them astro learns that all the kids at hammocks are orphans of some sort uh, and that night, Hameg uh, tucks Astro in for the evening, at which point Trashcan continues his harassment of Astro uh, to tell uh, the other kids that he's a robot. Astro says he will, uh, just not right now. Later on, the kids talk to Astro about the robot games, which you just know as a viewer is some gladi gladiatory fights to the death. But Astro is a sweet, naive, just perfect little robot boy. So he doesn't get this. Well, uh, he, he also describes it as like Roman, too. So that's I think that they was the do. key word. They do. So while they go out scavenging, Astro finds an old construction bot and powers the core of it back up with some of his pure oh. blue energy. Also, um. In the speech that Hameg is giving, I don't think he means it like this, but apparently, um, so uh, according to Hameg, uh, the saints want to fight poor people. He's giving a speech about, um, like the robot games, and he's saying it's like it's like this and like this, and it's like saints and poor people. 
And we find out later on that they're fighting. So saints want to fight poor people, by the way, according to Hamag. There you go. It's canon. It's canon in this universe. It is. So Astro's out in the field with the kids. He powers up a construction bot. And then we cut back to Hamag, who is training one of his robot fires, uh, fighters. Uh, very real steel-esque. Rich, thank you for that wonderful reference earlier. <laughs> what I, I thought there was going to be like a um a, a birdcage callback. Do you re- have you seen birdcage? It has been uh some time, but yes, I have seen it. Do you remember when Robin Williams is trying to get Nathan Lane to act like a straight man and he's like kind of training him on, and he's being very aggressive? Yes. I thought that that scene was going to be kind of a callback to that. Yeah, I get that. I, I I do get that inclination there. Like so, like like make a New York Jets reference or something. Okay, sorry, I'm I'll, I'll stop. No, 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 no. I no. mean, they make a reference to New Jersey at some point. They do they make a do. reference to New Jersey. Which is weird because it's clearly set above Japan when uh, something happens. You you can very clearly see Mount Fuji at some point. Not super weird. Did you know that New Jersey is one of the top referenced uh, locations in the United States as far as references in Hollywood productions? Uh, I was not aware of that. You get I'm New York. Surprised. You get California, but New Jersey is very close behind these. In surprised fact, it's not my... Texas. What was that? Surprised it's not Texas. I'm sure Texas I mean, is right behind it because yeah, you have Texas there. shows up a lot, but I think it has to do with history. One of my favorite bits of trivia is the fact that old school Looney Tunes cartoons referenced explicitly the birthplace of my own father, Perth Amboy, more yes, than I once. I do remember them mentioning Perth Amboy a couple of times. Yep. So, yeah, New Jersey is referenced fucking a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, think of like I just mean, I all hear, the dickheadness that's gone on in Jersey. I can hear Bugs Bunny say Hoboken in my mind's eye. I yeah. can hear it clear as day. <laughs> uh, Bugs Bunny is the one who references Perth Amboy as well, uh, at least one of the times. Because he's a cultured man. Yes, absolutely. So Hamag is training one of his fighting robots and then it gets stomped out of nowhere by this powered up construction bot ridden by the kids and Astro. Um, The kids said about cleaning the construction bot, they power wash him and paint a bunch of sigils on him and take a picture in front of him with Hamag. This is also where we learn that the construction bot's name or his given name by the kids is Zog. And then later that evening, Astro stumbles on Korra trying to make a phone call with one of the phones she found in the junkyard. Uh, it's not working, and Astro discreetly charges it up with some more of his blue energy and gives it back to Cora. The call doesn't go through, but Cora admits that she was from Metro City originally as well. Astro bails on a perfect opportunity to tell Cora the fact that he is a robot. That's kind of then... fair, though. That seems to be a lot of uh, robot racism going on. Row racism. Row ro- racism. Yes. Uh, And it gets worse from here. So the next day, there is a parade through the center of the city along with Zog. And Kor explains to Astro what the robot games are, which is fights to the death between robots that people have repaired. And Astro is understandably a bit horrified. Uh, When confronted with uh, the particulars of the robot games, uh, Hamig explains that robots don't have emotions and they're just junk waiting to happen. We're allowed to film them. They ain't got no souls. 
sorry, I know we do a lot of I think you should leave references, but I'm going to continue to make them. I mean, at least one per episode. You got yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Much like uh, Sopranos references. We'll find a way to show. You should be able you listen, you should be able to put in a little bit of I think you should leave references in every episode. You should. You absolutely should. So Astro, Did we do a second ad break. Oh, yeah. No, this is a good time for it. So, um, yeah, listen to these ad breaks, you jabroni. We got to bring that back. We got to bring back calling people jabronis. Yeah, we do. And jamokes. I like jamoke, but you don't hear that one anymore. (laughs) That's a good one. I'm going to start doing that in a professional setting. If it's not explicitly a slur or a cuss (laughs) word, when you throw in a weird derogatory term in a professional setting, people just think you're smart and eccentric. If you don't believe me, try it. I guarantee you it'll work out. I'm going to start calling one of the chefs at my job a jamoke. (laughs) See if he gets offended. I'm going to call the first customer I talk to tomorrow a jabroni and just see what happens. I mean, you're going to get German suplexed. That's what happens when you call someone a jabroni. Well, yeah, but it doesn't count unless they hold it, hold on to it, and do it at least three times. It's called getting. Yeah. It's 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 the it's the original getting Benoit before you know that took a dark turn. Oh, that took such a dark turn. <laughs> yes, it did. Uh, keep us posted on how that plays out because I want to hear the end of that. Story. Listen, if they spend like ten grand, I'm gonna be calling everybody a jabroni. There you go. So while. Astro confronts Hameg about this and then Hameg pulls out uh, what I can only describe as a robot stun gun and zaps Astro incapacitating him and explaining to the kids that he's a robot. And how he figures this out too, he had like this energy thing that like measured energy. So he put it next to the big robot that Astro brought back to life and accidentally waved it towards Astro and the thing went off the fucking charts. Yeah, it's like a robot Geiger counter. Yeah. Astro is um, debilitated by this, and when he wakes up, Hameg is introducing him as Astro Boy to the crowd in this robot fight coliseum. A robot with buzzsaw hands comes out and starts attacking Astro. Uh, Astro tries to refuse to fight and fly away, but the arena is surrounded by some sort of zappy field, uh, and Astro is zapped and knocked down. Uh, However, he grabs the uh, saw blade robot and lifts it into the air, uh, placing its head against this zappy barrier, which blows up the robot's head. Uh, My my note on this is uh, Astro Boy saying, I'm not fighting, and then proceeds to decapitate a robot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I just want to say... he doesn't want to fight Zog. This is the same bit with, like, uh, the Chris Nolan Batmans, where he's like, I don't kill people. And then he rams the Batmobile into that garbage truck, which causes the cab to crumple (laughs) against the roof of that tunnel, clearly killing the person inside of it. 100%. 100%. And no, 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 it's never video game rules. If it doesn't it. happen in a cutscene, that's not actually death. It's, it's, that dude is so fucking dead. <laughs> He's but, so but, fucking dead. But did he explode like a 1992 arcade cabinet? Like, you know how all, like, when you play Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or like The Simpsons, the characters explode for some reason, like they're robots? Yeah. If they didn't explode, they're not dead. Speaking of, we got to do a podcast uh, trip to the local mall which i won't name 
Oh, have, that arcade rules. Yeah, it yeah, does. We it went. Does. Yeah. It has Simpsons. It has the old X Men games. The Teenage Family Turtles. Pinball for days. Gauntlet. Ooh. Guys, next time. Wait, Josh, are you in our family gauntlet? Yeah, I'm gonna take us. I'm gonna pay for our hour passes. We're gonna have a good time. Hell yeah. Were were you in on our failed gauntlet runs? Me personally? Yes. No, I haven't, okay. but I want to be. You can't beat the arcade game. It's not possible. Even with like a hunt of unlimited credits. Correct. There's like some RNG shit. You cannot beat it. Because we had unlimited credits and we eventually just threw our hands up and said, fuck. You have this. to like get there's like 99 fucking floors. You have to get specific parts of a password that you have to enter at the end to kill the wizard it's not doable bullshit i'm gonna take that challenge we're gonna figure it out i don't I care how like many hours four I've... fucking hours last time i was there with a buddy of mine trying to beat that game and we could not two people on a four-person game we're gonna get a fourth and we're All gonna right. make this happen fair so <laughs> next up is a cute little uh, bot with a baby voice that transforms into two bots, one with chain guns, the other one with mace arms. Uh, Astro tricks it into damaging itself. Uh, the He gets the mace arm robot to smash the chain gun robot and then picks up the chain gun robot and shoots the mace robot to death, basically. Uh, next up, a, like a fucking army of battle bots are released to rush the arena. The... Uh, a uh, robot revolutionary force crew shows up to try and help, but they've only brought their feather that they succeeded in purchasing. Astro Boy single-handedly dismantles all the battle bots. Uh, the fighting catches the censors of the president and his men on Metro City. Uh, and the next opponent that is revealed is Zog, the construction bot uh, that was resurrected by Astro. Yeah, this was after Astro Boy committed robot genocide. Yes. Astro refuses to fight again. Zog does as well and just ruffles Astro's hair and picks him up. Hameg zaps them both, demanding that they fight. This is where we get the New Jersey reference. Zog is from New Jersey, apparently. Hell yeah. I'm down for that. Zog turns on Hameg, uh, who, when confronted with the laws of of robotics, uh, Zog responds that he is old school and goes to stomp out Hammock. Astro saves him by catching Zog's foot, but then the president and his men show up and capture Astro Boy. Uh, he apologizes to Korra as he's being led away, and Trashcan even jumps in to try and stop the soldiers. So Astro is taken back to Elephant and Tenma, with the president demanding that the core be removed and replaced into the Peacekeeper. Uh, Elephant tries to talk to Astro, and Astro explains that maybe this is his destiny and doesn't resist. Tenma removes the core from Astro and apologizes. Astro, in return, apologizes for not being a better Toby for him before powering down. And goddamn, this is incredibly depressing and too deep for a kid's movie. Two deaths. Uh, the same character dies twice. Just apologizing for not being better. My God. Just just infinitely depressing please don't dwell on it i had to remind myself not to dwell on it because it's a kids movie so here's a a major divergence from the original astro boy uh tenma and astro never reconcile in any other version of this in fact uh dr elephant ends up adopting astro taking him away from the circus run by ham egg and then 
Elephon builds fucking robot parents for Astro. That is incredibly sad. Yeah. So Tenma removes the core and turns it over to the president. Uh, however, uh, Tenma has an almost immediate change of heart. And thanks to some sleight of hand from Elephon, hidden talents, right? Uh, for a scientist, uh, retrieves the core. And both Tenma and Elephon tell the president that they will have to kill them if he wants the core. Uh, Tenma drops the blast shield and replaces the blue core in Astro. And at this point, Tenma accepts Astro as his son and tells him to fly away. Astro blasts out of the ministry, leaving behind Tenma and Elephon. The president demands that the scientist be arrested and says he's going to use the peacekeeper to retrieve the blue core and places the red core back into the peacekeeper. The peacekeeper robot immediately absorbs President Stone and starts going wild. It smashes outside of the building to a press conference that was waiting for President Stone and subsequently scares off all the reporters. So at this point, uh, President Stone's persona has been absorbed into the peacekeeper and is being portrayed, right? So Astro, after flying off, sees explosions happening back in Metro City and flies back to help. He has run into Mr. Squirt and Mr. Squeegee at this point, uh, who follow him back. Uh, according to the laws of robot laws of laws robotics, of robotics, I keep doing that's the second time I've, I've done noticed. That's why laws I had to shout of robotics. It out. I don't well, know. Well, lo- robotics is when you remove a part of your brain and put in a part of a robot brain. There you go. Maybe that's what happened. So, uh, Mr. Square and Mr. Squeegee attempt to follow him. Um, the peacekeeper has absorbed all of the military hardware that is sent to stop him at this point, including. Uh, this Spirit of Freedom battleship that blasted Astro off Metro City in the first place. Astro shows up to fight him, and he discovers he has arm cannons, which is fucking dope. Back on the surface, uh, Hameg is trying to skip town, and Korra and the scavenger kids carjack him, basically, with the help of Zog. Zog peels off the roof of the car and plucks out Hameg, and the kids set off uh, to try and help Astro. So, President Peacekeeper, who from here on out I'm going to refer to as PPK, uh, continues to fight Astro Boy and absorb parts of the city, including full-on skyscrapers at this point. A skyscraper he doesn't absorb, he uses as basically a baseball bat uh, to hit Astro Boy with. Astro Boy apparently has butt cannons. Uh, I wrote that note, and then the line in the film is verbatim. I got machine guns in yeah. my butt. Yeah, my my only note on this was just simply um butt guns. Yeah, that's canon. Also, just to reference a meme, uh, machine guns in your butt, more common than you'd think. President Peacekeeper, uh, after the butt cannons, hits him with the skyscraper. Uh, Cora and the kids rescue him uh, with the hover car. Uh, right before he gets stomped by PPK after the uh, baseball hit. Uh, They narrowly avoid repeated attacks until uh, PPK runs directly into Metro City's generator. This, of course, uh, causes Metro City to start to fall from the sky and crash into the ground. Uh, Astro Boy, uh, unwilling to let all of the denizens of Metro City uh, suffer a gruesome fate, uses his rocket boots and robot strength 
to slow the descent of Metro City uh, before seemingly getting crushed uh, by the city crashing into the ground. Uh, the robot revolutionary front shows up again to confront PPK, uh, but quickly run away. They don't do anything at all. Uh, so again, once more, uh, Ryan's concern about their portrayal of communist undertones is that communists are idiots and ineffectual. Thanks, Correct. American media. Yep, that's uh, about what I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. The reason why I thought it might have communist undertones, even though the uh, the manga did not necessarily, is because Osama Tezuka was a card carrying member of the Japanese Communist Party. There you go. So that's them pulling, uh, not pulling. Uh, directing punches directly at the source materials uh, creator. So um, Astro Boy uh, blasts out of the ground at this point and continues his fight. Uh, PPK absorbs Astro Boy into his chest, but the proximity of the blue and red energy cores causes Astro to get blasted out of the chest cavity and into the city. Uh, Tenma catches up with Astro at this point, on the floor of the uh, tower that he's been knocked into and explains that if the two cores collide, Astro and PPK will both die and that Astro needs to run away. Uh, at this point, PPK has captured the hover car and is interrogating the kids as to where Astro Boy is. Astro sees this and realizes that this is his destiny, uh, not that previous destiny that he thought it was. So... Uh, despite the protests of Dr. Tenma, he flies directly into PPK's core. Uh, PPK drops the car with the kids who flee to safety before he explodes completely. Uh, Tenma, of course, falls to his knees uh, in grief upon seeing the energy shower, indicating the destruction of PPK and also, assumably, uh, Astro Boy himself. My, my first thought in this was, uh, did Astro Boy just assassinate the president? <laughs> yes well sort of has hit the metro uh, city <laughs> be because at this point we see that corporeal uh president stone has survived the explosion and melding with ppk uh however he is immediately arrested which is the most fantastical part of this storyline i feel um, like this this storyline really hit America in 2019, like, really hard. <laughs> yeah, and nobody watched it or uh, internalized any of this. No. Uh, much to our detriment. So, uh, Cora finds Astro, his arm detached, and he is completely inert. Uh, Ele Elephant explains to Cora he can't save him because his core energy was unique. Uh, but Zog shows up. And Elephant learns that he was reanimated using the blue energy core. And Elephant asks if he can spare some of the blue energy Astro used to restore him. And this uh, is the moment I realized that Zog was actually voiced by Samuel L. Jackson, which I didn't know to begin with. I didn't catch it either, but I should have. Because Samuel L. Jackson only has one voice. Voice acting, live acting, it's the same voice. <laughs> I mean, so, he uses it well. Uh, uh, absolutely. So uh, Zog zaps Astro's chest with the blue energy and Astro wakes up after just enough of a dramatic pause. Tenma embraces Astro Boy. And at this point, I was like, oh, this is a kid's movie because I kind of expected Zog to need to expend all of his blue energy to revivify or revivify 
Astro Boy and sacrifice himself, but Zog's just fine. No, it's like jumping a car. You just got to get that initial charge. Clearly. So these robots have alternators. Yes. That's canon. <laughs> Hopefully so, they have catalytic converters too, so we can steal them. There you go. <laughs> so it, it looks like everybody from Metro City and the kids from the surface all accept Astro Boy now as a hero. Cora, who we learned was originally from Metro City, but we don't get any explanation. There was no context at all. At all. No. Um, Cora's parents spot her and run and embrace her, saying they were looking for her. It's like 15 pages of the script that they probably cut out. I want yeah. to know. Also, those kids did not exist in any of the previous versions of Astro Boy, just for reference. So uh, the RRF show up again, but don't do anything again. Uh, again, the joke is communists are dumb and useless. And uh, Tenma seems to be embracing his new outlook. He gives Orin the day off, who has a bit of an existential crisis himself. Uh, and then this might be my favorite part of the film, despite all of the weird oddities and fun bits that I enjoyed up until now. Right, literally right now in the story, as we're telling it, a fucking one-eyed tentacled alien shows up to attack Earth. A motherfucking kaiju. Yeah. I don't know why I like that design so much, but there's something very simple and perfect about it. And also, it's been used as recently as fucking Marvel's uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. A single-eyed tentacle alien is a trope. It happens. It's a trope I like. Yeah, there you go. Use it more. Use but it, I love use that it, it happens ER. like right here and Astro Boy's like I gotta go save the world again and Tenma's like are you sure and he's like this is what I was made for and he flies at the alien and we get the aliens POV and Astro Boy swings his fist at the camera and boom credits roll it was a lot of fun this was, I like this, this was a one fun yeah movie. yeah this was a good movie I, I put it here uh this should have been a franchise like a mid-tier mm -hmm. one like a minions mm -hmm. I would have much preferred this over uh, minions, like, yeah. That. Like you, you could have made Astro Boy merchandise like the minions do. I mean, it's existed for like sixty years now in terms of merchandising. It's just America isn't that appeal. Like, it's not that appealing to us. It's appealing to like boomers for some inexplicable reason. Listen, up with boomers it. make no fucking sense. Like, None. boomers grew up watching the Jetsons and think that the current world we live in is totally fine and normal. Yeah. Now you know it's funny. I wanna I wanna add my personal context here. I was never super into Astro Boy, uh, but I've always suffered pretty severely from uh insomnia. And in my college years, this meant being awake well past normal broadcast hours, and I think it was adult swim. Oh, are you about to talk about Tetsujin 28, aka Gigantor? I am about to talk about Gigantor. <laughs> The Space Age Robot. So I ended up watching a bunch of Gigantor back in the day. And I so when Gigantor. Astro Boy came up, uh, I was like, oh, I, I feel like I'm going to like this. But I have, due to horrific insomnia, a real soft spot for Gigantor. But I think Astro Boy embraces some of the same storytelling elements. And I did really enjoy this. It was entertaining and they left in enough 
like inexplicably left in enough adult content where you're like, God damn, this kid's movie is making me think about uh, some relatively uncomfortable things as an adult viewer that I know kids are thankfully bypassing. Uh, it's a shame it wasn't more popular, but highly entertaining. If you need, if you're like me and suffer from insomnia and you need some sort of uh, generic background noise to help you drift off to sleep, uh, a good choice for those are animated, not super loud or having weird spiky audio issues. Uh, kids movies, uh, I highly recommend adding Astro Boy to the rotation. Watch it while you're awake. Watch it while you're trying to fall asleep. This is a good one. Generally benign with enough complex questions raised to keep you interested if you're actually forced to uh, appear uh, uh, attentive uh, to the storyline that's occurring. And those hooks are not delivered in the form of jokes that kids wouldn't get, but adults would. It's delivered in the form of existential questions driven by the core narrative, which I find refreshing. It was good. I like it. It was good. It was yeah, good. it was just, it, yeah. it was, it was good. It was a movie that you can enjoy with your child if you have chosen to go down that life path. Yes, yeah. I did enjoy it with my child, aka my cat. There you go. He yeah, didn't no, like this it, was, but I did. This was entertaining. I liked it. Uh, definitely top tier of the quote unquote ch children's movies that we've watched so far for this podcast. I think that puts a fucking bow on it personally. Rich. Yeah, this definitely is in the upper half of the movies we have we have watched. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <clears throat> top of the barrel for the kids movies. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. By by like a fucking mile. Yeah. Um, Rich, tell us what fate has in store for us. Well, oh, we, we already, already talked know. about yeah, this. Yeah, we talked about it last week. Because it's we're coming up on episode 100, baby. And you know what episode 100 means? We're going to watch a trilogy movie. Yes, we are. I know you mentioned it. And of course, I am super psyched for Face Off. But for first-time listeners, you have tuned in at a very special time. If a, for a most auspicious moment. It is. We, if you're not familiar with our previous work uh if you know nothing of our work uh let me explain to you now in our opinion uh one that i have brought my co-host over to uh, my line of thinking there is a trinity of sequentially released nicholas cage movies that i believe capture the essence of the man and his career we refer to this as the uh holy trinity the Triforce, the Triumvirate, all of those fun names for the three trifecta. things. Exactly. And we are covering our first one in the history of this podcast in the form of Face Off, which is a solid opening choice of the three impossible to uh, put in a box films from Nick Cage. Uh, Face Off starring... Uh, directly across from John Travolta as each other. Goddamn. I'm predicting a three-episode run for this film. We will see how that goes. God help you all if you want to listen to three hours of us talking about a single film. But if we could do it for any of them, 
uh, face off is definitely uh, one that I would easily put money on. To say yeah, nothing this is... of the directing by John Wu, one of my heroes. Yeah, it's... and this is what this is probably the peak of like the the peak of what I will call like the second age of Cage. Mm, you know, yes. with the Ooh. first being like Moonstruck, Raising Arizona, like that's the first age. This is the second age that probably starts with uh, leaving Las Vegas. Yes, and which we still ends, haven't done. Which we still have not done, and ends with probably the Family Man. Okay, that sounds about right. Or maybe is Family Man or Matchstick Men? Uh, which one came out first? F- family Man, but Matchstick okay. Man would be what I would consider the start of the third, which is Matchstick okay. Man, like Lord National Treasure, Lord of War, Weatherman, Wicker Man, Ghost Rider. Mm-hmm. Does Age of Cage count as alliteration, or is that just a uh, rhyming that's, scheme? That's just a rhyming scheme. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate it either way. I and do then, I. and I then like I, it. we should get t-shirts made. <laughs> we should. Yeah. And then I do believe that we are in the middle of the fourth Age of Cage. We are. The resurgence is real, right? Right, and that that started with probably Pig. Jiu-Jitsu? No, not Jiu-Jitsu. I think it started with Pig. No, like Mandy came out before Pig, and I That's think Mandy true. was really more of the, the beginning of the resurgence of Cage. But, okay, so, but here's the thing, is that you have Mandy in 2018, but then you have... The Humanity Bureau, two yeah, which I liked. I did not like. Oh, but you know what? But then you get Between Worlds. You do have Color Out of Space in there. You have Kill Chain in there. Yeah, Kill you Chain also, in there. But you also have Jujitsu and Prisoners of the Ghostland, which is why, like, I'm thinking that the true Age of Cage probably started with Pig because you have Pig, uh, the the unbearable weight of massive talent, uh, the old way, which wow wasn't that good, was kind of a hyped up movie. Uh, Renfield, which was very hyped up. Now you know you have the Flash. I don't. I don't know. I think. I think you have to go with Mandy for the Fourth Age, or for Mom and Dad, maybe even Mom and Dad's only like uh, three movies prior to Mandy. No, Mom and Dad is the movie right before Mandy. Actually, believe it or not. No, oh, no, I'm no. showing that Humanity Bureau was right before Mandy. Humanity Bureau and Dark. Well, Dark's the recut of uh, Dying in oh, the Light. Oh, I'm, I'm seeing Mom and Dad, then Mandy, then Looking Glass, then Humanity Bureau. Uh, Humanity Peculiar. Bureau came out before uh, Looking Glass and Mandy. Oh, oh, well, then Wikipedia is wrong, and I apologize. Oh, yeah, that's why I always got go by IMDb. They go by actual release date. But okay. no, I do I do think Mandy is probably the start of the fourth fourth age because you've got Mandy, uh Between Worlds, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which definitely yes. hit yeah. the uh broader sphere, color out of space, kill chain. Then you of course have Jujitsu Prisoners of the Ghostland actually exists in the fourth age of cage if we're that, setting yeah. this timeline yeah. appro- timeline appropriately. Uh, and then Pig really cements it. You got Pig, uh, un- unbearable weight, old way Renfield, and then of course the the Flash credit. Yeah, yeah I I I think we might be winding. Motion. I I think we might be winding down the fourth age, but you never know because he just releases so many goddamn movies. One of these could be a fucking killer. I don't know, man. Sympathy for the Devil looks fucking sick. I can't wait for that. I one. was going to say Sympathy for the Devil just from a quick look 
Plus, Lord, um, Lords of War. We've got a Lord. Lord of War yeah, him, him and Joel Kinnaman together is going to be real good. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fucking fan of Joel Kinnaman. I am too. No, I think, I think we might be in the middle of the fourth age. It's okay un- until this current. I like that we're wave... putting this into uh, Lord of the Rings history fucking uh, phrasing. Yeah. Yes, until, we are <laughs> until this wave crests, and I, I don't think you can say it has crested yet. Uh, despite the, the fact that the old way is in there, you have unbearable weight, you have Renfield, uh, the Flash, regardless of its box office performance, there is still uh, some coattail riding. This this thing has not crashed into the surf Right, you, you have sympathy, the, sympathy for the devil, which we all think is going to look good. I think the retirement plan looks like it's going to be moderately funny. It has a good cast. What else do we have coming up? Dream scenario, Nicolas Cage, Michael Sarah, and huh. Tim Meadows. Oh, huh. Huh. Okay. Arcadian. You have my attention. Yes. Arcadian doesn't have really have anything in it. It is an action horror film. And then Long Legs is an American horror, which is about, is about a cold a serial killer. Is his name Daddy? <laughs> no, it's just about it's, it's about a serial killer. I think we've made that joke before, actually when yes. we're looking at the IMDb. Yeah, no, I, I I think it's very arguable that we are in the process. Oh my god! Unfortunately for Long Legs, I'm in a familiar with some of the writers' credits here, uh... and I'm not gonna hold my breath on that too too much that being said i do think i think the argument for the ages is that we are still in the middle of the fourth age and where it crashes into the ground uh with the force of a meteor is yet to be determined because we've had some interesting things and it looks like there's some still uh interesting things in the chamber i'm excited and what a way to celebrate uh, our current position in the Nick Cage timeline, but by paying proper homage to one of, again, the Holy Trinity films uh, as we see them personally. Agree, disagree. Either way, let us know on social media. You can find us on Twitter at cagefight underscore pod. Uh, Rich, what's what's that Patreon again? Patreon.com slash Nick Cage fight. Uh, three bucks a month get you every episode without ads uh and it scales up from there five dollars a month gets you um patreon content which like okay honest talk time we've been real lazy about this and we just had a conversation before recording this episode that um we are going to record some patreon patreon content within the next two weeks Ryan brought something up that we think would be really fun, which would be watching some old Astro Boy cartoons. On hallucinogens. I, I mean, that goes without saying. I'm going to take it's... so much Benadryl, I see the hat man. <laughs> I can't wait to take ketamine and watch this. I do think we're going to watch The Wrestler within the next two weeks as well. I'm sick, Coming of, soon. sick of having that joke. I've had that one sitting on my shelf for like a month I now. I bought one. it at the Good William. Definitely coming soon. Except for it actually is coming soon now. This time we're this for time real. this <laughs> time we're <laughs> this time we're serious. All these other times was a joke at it your expense. This is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but this time, this time 
it's personal. So, uh, yeah, tune in. Uh, more good stuff coming, especially if you love Nicolas Cage, even a fraction as much as we do. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. And please remember, listeners, we appreciate you. Bye-bye. <laughs>